The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings, made multiple Pro Bowl appearances, over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh... I can't remember what I was supposed to say. <laughs> As a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth, handsome son bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinking Truth Podcast. Hey, welcome into the Stinking Truth Podcast. Mark Slareth, along with Mike Evans, Scott. Uh, Scott, I almost called you Scott Producer. Scott DeHuff, the producer of the program. i got to thank our corporate or our presenting sponsor, Core Water. The great people over at Core Water absolutely love Core. I'm going to stop by. I'm in New York right now, and I'm going to stop by a convenience. There's always convenience stores, you know, like a little drugstore. And um, and pick myself up a six pack of core water because Mike, I'm fat and I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to lose some weight. So I'm just gonna maybe I'm just gonna go on a fast. And there's no better way to do that than with core water, perfectly pH balanced electrolytes. I'll be able to work out, do all my thing, and I'm gonna get skinny at the same time. That's my plan right now because let me tell you something. I put a suit on the other day and um, I felt like I was gonna pop. That's how, that's how fat I am right now. Well, I feel like I'm going to pop. Yeah, I, what, now, what is it that, that Tom Brady, your hero, recommends when it comes to drinking water every day? You drink like a certain percentage of your body weight in water every single day. Right. Duff, maybe you can look that up. Like water is like he uses it sunscreen. He just drinks a lot of water and then his sun doesn't. His skin won't burn. Exactly. He says he like, makes him impervious to like right. a, a sunburn or something like right. that. Right. I mean, it's amazing. There's nothing that core water can do. But you realize how much core water you'd have to drink as a percentage of your body weight right now? Oh, my Lord. Like if I had to get, like if it was... What what like what percentage of my body? It'd be like weight? a tub. You'd have like to drink if you like had a tub to go, every day. Think about this. If you had to go, let's say fifty percent of your body weight, I'd have to drink hundred and fifty pounds of water. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Brady drinks thirty seven glasses of water a day. Thirty seven glasses of water a day? Which is for the average person person is about five days worth. All right, so if he drinks 37 glasses, and he probably weighs about what, 2, 210? Two, two, yeah, 215. 215? You're at about... Um, well, wait a minute. What is 37? If you're talking eight-ounce glasses, so let's just do this. I'm going to do the math real quick, because <laughs> this is our podcast. We can do whatever that we want. Sure. Okay, 37 times eight. I'm on my iPhone. Uh, equals 296 ounces of water. How many ounces are in a pound? Do um, we know? That'd be, that'd be uh, 16, 16 ounces. 16? Yeah. So I would divide by 16, right? Math. 18.5 pounds of water? That's a lot of water. That's a lot oh. of core. That's a lot of core water. That is a ton of water. 18 and a half pounds. I'm thinking about how, one, if, if God forbid, the world's greatest American died... How large would his bladder be? Would it be like a world record bladder? <laughs> and when they did the autopsy, right? Be that like you know, would, it'd be like a pony keg. Yeah, it'd be right? like Secretariat. You know? They found out when they opened up Secretariat that his heart was like twice as big as most horses. So that explains so much. So with Brady, it'd be his right, it'd be his giant bladder, right? 
Core. Core water, everybody. Core water, everybody. <laughs> uh, find oh. out more at, uh, at uh, I don't know. What's their, what's the website again? Find out. I, now I have to look it up. Uh, hydratewithcore.com. No, I don't have to look it up. Look at that. Right off the top of my head, probably because I'm so damn hydrated. <laughs> All right. We move on. And we do move on. And we move on. You know what? That that whole opening was was probably appropriate for what I see around the NFL right now. And and what cuz hydrated players? No, no, scattered. That was like a totally scatter shot like opening. And right. that's what the NFL is right now. I I can you recall going into the playoffs, 2 weeks away from the playoffs. Can you recall an NFL that felt so an NFL postseason that felt so potentially wide open. You know, it's it's like if I were to ask you, Mike, and I because I, I, I think it's a great point that you bring up. So let me play off of that for a second. If I were to ask you, give me the rankings of of like your best NFL team. Like who is your team? Like give me your who's the best team? Give me your rankings of your team. I mean, I think you could make a compelling argument or give me your rankings of, of who's got a chance, you know, to wrap this thing up and win a Super Bowl. I think you've got a compelling argument. You, you could make a, a, a case for six or eight teams, couldn't you? Like, normally, don't you roll into this thing and you feel like by this time of the year, it's you, you got three or four teams that have a chance? Doesn't it feel like you've got 12 teams or eight teams or 10 teams that have a legitimate shot well, let, at, at winning it all? Well, let's just start in the AFC because most times in the AFC, it's like, all right, it's the Patriots. And right. then who do you got coming out of the NFC? Mm-hmm. But that's not the case anymore. Not after what I saw in in Pittsburgh last week. I mean, do you realize that this is the first time the Patriots have lost back-to-back games in December, the month where they're usually starting to really, really roll? This is the first time they've lost back-to-back games in December since 2002? And that's, that, that is crazy. Yeah, normally... When it comes to the Patriots, you think about the last two games. They they lost a game to Miami, in which you know they had the uh, the hook and lateral play at the end of the game to win that game. But they gave up, you know, like 180 yards of rushing. They gave the Steelers who don't want to run it. Like the Steelers just don't want to run it. They gave up 158 yards rushing to the third string quarterback or third string running back. Excuse me, to the to the Steelers. Um, you know, because James Conner's out, and obviously Le'Veon Bell didn't show up all year. So, you know, I mean, I look at the AFC. Come on. Houston's sitting at 10-4. and four. The Colts, all of a sudden, Andrew Luck's playing great. They went into Dallas and physically dominated. Or did they play it in Indianapolis? Doesn't matter. But they physically dominated the Dallas Cowboys. They out-Dallased Dallas. The Titans at 8-6 and six right now, actually playing really good team defense, and all of a sudden Marcus Mariota playing well. And, and Derrick Henry looks like Derrick Henry, Alabama versus whatever, you know, whatever three schools they put on the schedule every year that have no business playing Alabama. That's how he's running the football right now. The Chiefs are dynamic offensively. They, uh, you know, they, they find a way to put up points. Mahomes has been unbelievable. The Chargers are arguably maybe one of if not the best team in the AFC. The, by the way, if the Ravens get don't let the Ravens get in. Cuz the Ravens won offensively. It's like throwback to 1972 
SEC football. Nobody knows how to defend it with Lamar Jackson. And then defensively, talking to John Harbaugh, John Harbaugh said this to me. He goes, we would have a historically good defense. They're top five in every category. Historically good defense if we could just create turnovers. They Going into last week, they had 10 created turnovers. That's it. And they've got they're a top five defense. They're number one in scoring. They're like they're a top five in every statistical category, just about that you can be. Like nobody wants to play the Ravens. I mean, there's legitimately in the AFC right there. We just talked about five or six teams that legitimately have a shot. You think the Patriots can figure it out, Mike? You know what's what's odd about the Patriots is is I think that one we're so accustomed to seeing them perform in in you know in December like after Thanksgiving they are a well-oiled machine and what we've seen the last couple of weeks is like unpatriot like unpatriot like gaffes we saw them on a you know on a Hail Mary situation which was too far to throw a Hail Mary go hook and lateral and still have like Gronkowski on the field and your best defensive player, McCourty, on the sideline. Like, that's a gaffe. Then we've seen them, I think they had 10, 10, 10, uh, 10 total penalties against Pittsburgh. It's it's and, and by the way, like I mentioned, they've given up yards rushing. They've given up rushing yards the last two weeks. Like, things that are unpatriot-like, like, that's what we've seen. Now, here's the good news for the Patriots. I think they still have the Bills and they have the Jets left on their schedule. Like, nothing is a better elixir than the Bills and the Jets, right? That that will get you healed up pretty quickly. Yeah, but it won't matter if Houston right. doesn't lose. Houston yeah, has they're to gonna lose have to, because yeah, otherwise they'd have to, have to play a wild road. card weekend. Yeah, they're going to have to. It looks like they're going to have to go on the road. And that's, I mean, right now they've, they've had their struggles there. So it just looks unpatriot-like. I will tell you this, though. It just takes – like, one of the things that's been interesting is, is to watch how – how like Pittsburgh finally got out of what they've always done and they ended up playing man on the outside and they double teamed Gronkowski and Edelman in in the slots you know in in the inside so they just basically said we're not going to let Gronkowski or Edelman beat us in the middle of the football field and um and they took them away that way they won on the outside and the pass rush got to the pass rush ended up getting to Tom Brady and like it was a good game plan it's something that you know i i doubted that Mike Tomlin could do um because they they just haven't been able to figure out how to change that up and and they did a great job there um the patriots certainly look like um certainly look like it it's all the personnel decisions, the the bad drafts, all the different things that have gone on, Mike. It, it certainly looks that it's finally catching up to the Patriots. Yeah, I look at you know I look at Pittsburgh. That was a, uh, although it wasn't a total surprise to me because in our moneymaker picks, I did take Pittsburgh mm. and you took New England. Boy, you oh, have I you have took, you just I took New England just to spite you. You know what? I don't even want I, like you're now okay. Now you're you're, you're now you're making me mad. <laughs> But Mr. Mr. Rub it in. But uh, still a half game ahead. You, of you still are a half game ahead. One oh, okay, one good. precious half game. You're still ahead of me. But I, I still look at Pittsburgh. That performance to me was a reminder that they are still the most dangerous team. I think in the AFC. Ooh, yes. More more dangerous than the Chiefs. Yep. 
in part because they got a quarterback that's been there, done that. They have players that have been there, done that. There's still, you know, there's still a part of the Chiefs that I just and haven't these last couple of weeks shown that that you still can't trust the Chiefs. I mean, this is a team that hasn't won a playoff game at home since the '90s, right? Mm-hmm. So, haven't these last two weeks a near miss, a near escape against Baltimore at home, followed up by a loss at home to the Chargers? Do- doesn't this kind of reopen some of the long festering wounds when it comes to the Chiefs in January? I, that you, yeah, that I don't you think just that... that until you until they prove otherwise, you can't trust them. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with you, I, and I think. You know, I think this whole let's gloss over, you know, the running back position, let's gloss over, you know, losing Kareem Hunt. You let's- said, by the way, to your credit, when that happened, when that went down, you said that is potentially a game changer. A lot of us were like, ah, come on, that they got so many other weapons. But you you were the first to say this could be a game changer. Yeah, because because there's, you know, I mean, in this league, when you get explosives, like to, to score in this league. So I, I'll give you like just being in in. Two different organizations, and you know, and I and I travel around. You know, I'm like I spent, gosh, half a day over at the Baltimore Ravens facility on Friday. So you you walk through the meeting rooms and you look at different things. Like everybody's offensive goal chart, like everybody has an offensive goal chart or a defensive goal chart, right? And these are the things we want to do. These are the things that we have to accomplish. We've got to check off this list, Mike. Number of first downs, you know, uh, winning the turnover battle, um, yard per carry average, you know, all these different things. They're goals. And they've got a list of, of, let's call it 15 of them, right? And if we check, you know, the majority of these goal boxes, we're going to win this game. And and everybody kind of has their goal chart. And, And I'm sure there's some that vary to a degree, but they're all pretty much similar, right? And I think one of the things that's interesting is one of the goal charts that I've been around is one drive, one drive, just one, of 60-plus yards for a, a, a score. Not even a touchdown, just a score. So put a 60-yard offensive drive together for a score is one of the goals, just one. Because it's hard to go, you know, it's hard to put 60, 70, 80 yards together um, and score touchdowns. And if you don't get explosives, now an explosive is considered with most organizations to be a 12-yard run and a 20-yard pass. It varies. Some people call it a 10-yard run and an 18-yard pass. You know, whatever the case may be. But generally speaking... When coaches talk about explosives, they talk about 12-yard runs and 20-yard passes. And think about it from my perspective. You get a couple of those during the course of a game, and you're going to be able to, to check off one of, those, one of those boxes, which is a 60-yard drive for a score. When Kareem Hunt left, I'm like, there's four or five explosives per game that are gone. Because you're trying to figure out how to cover Tyreek Hill. You're trying to f- figure out how to t- uh, cover Travis Kelsey. They do a jet sweep one way. They fake a screen to Travis Kelsey the other way. They dump a screen off to you know Kareem Hunt on the other side. And all of a sudden, what happens to you? That dude takes it for 22 yards, and it's a, an explosive screen and an explosive play, and it puts you in scoring position. So when all of a sudden you take away four or five explosives during the course of a game, Mike – it's going to affect you. It's going to keep your defense on the field longer. It's going to it's going to hurt your football team. That's why the Chiefs the, the Chiefs scare me a little bit with that stuff. And and 
you know what? They've they've gone twice in a row at home. They should have been beat, if not for a miracle fourth down and nine throw by Patrick Mahomes. They're beat by the Ravens, and then they get beat by the Chargers in the last minutes. You know, by the way, I don't have a dog in the hunt when it comes to these playoffs, and I find myself increasingly rooting for the Chargers. Because of Phillip Rivers? Yeah, because rightly or wrongly, how do we measure all-time greatness? Mm. By your ability to win championships, right? right? I'm not yeah. saying it's at fair. The end of the, at the end of the day, you know, you, you compile statistics and you play great and you da 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 but there's this yeah, but caveat at the end of it. You know, with, with Dan Marino, yeah, yep. but. Yep. With, with Jim Kelly, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, yeah, but. And I'm not saying that's fair, but in, until somebody can come up with a, a clear-cut way to truly establish all-time greatness, it seems like we do – defer to the idea of, yeah, not only were they great, but they won championships to back it up. And so a guy like Phillip Rivers, who who I believe is a great quarterback, I'd like to see his career include a Super Bowl. So, yeah, I find myself rooting for the Chargers. Did you see him, by the way, come off the field in Kansas City and he's just basically yapping at and trolling the Chiefs fans as he's running off the... As he run off the field, like he's just he's just growing on me, man. Isn't like, he? Yeah, he just same used with me. To just annoy me, and now I just find it fun. I mean, we're here in Denver, long a place that has despised Philip Rivers, and I sense a, a gigantic thawing when it comes to people's Bronco fans feeling about Rivers. Yeah, same thing, kind of like respect, you right. know, and yeah, you know, the guy's begrudgingly, you know, he, he he's got my respect. Yeah. No, I don't think there's. I don't think there's any question. What about your NFC playoff picture? Because, I mean, you look at the NFC and beyond the Saints, who let's face it, now the last three weeks, um, teams have played them different. You know what's. You know what's happened. It's interesting. In the last three weeks, you look at Drew Brees. His completion percentage is down. The last three weeks, um, teams are taking away the deep ball. One thing that has always impressed me about Drew Brees, he's always found the deep ball. He's always been, and when you're completing, you know, like he was throughout the majority of the season, 75-plus percent of his passes, and the amount of deep shots he takes, you're like, it's hard to do that. But teams have taken that away. They're making the Saints throw it underneath. They're trying to rally up and tackle. Um, offensive line-wise, they've had a couple of injuries. They lost Unger during the course of the game on Monday night. Like, like those are those are critical issues for the Saints. And um, Drew Brees here in the last three weeks just hasn't produced the kind of prolific, you know, just MVP type of numbers that he did throughout the entirety of the beginning of the season, all the way up until the last. Could three we weeks. be? Could we be looking at a, a situation where the Saints bid? To win a Super Bowl is derailed because they lost Ted Ginn Jr. Mm. Think about it. You know, yeah. not prolific, but man, one of those that deep threat that you always had to be aware of. Right. You know, it's it's interesting that you said it because they lost Ted Ginn Jr. What have they been trying to do? They went out and they they signed Des Bryant. He yep. gets hurt. They signed um, Brandon, Brandon Marshall. Marshall. Yep. They ended up. He never played in a game. He was there for a month. They finally cut him. Like they they've been trying to figure that part of their offense out here for what for the last eight weeks. You know, Mike. a bunch of Keith Kirkwoods and yeah. Traquan Smiths and Tommy Lee Lewis's and 
you know, all that. But here's the thing, and you're right. The last three weeks, Drew Brees hasn't looked like Drew Brees. I think it's only two touchdowns and three interceptions during that that mm-hmm. stretch, barely cracking 200 yards. But the all, all three games were on the road. And you look at his splits this year. 21 touchdowns, only one interception at home. 11 touchdowns, uh, four, four picks uh, on the on the road, and his quarterback rate is 40 points higher at home. And as of right now, the NFC road goes through New Orleans. Yeah. So is it's... it is it as simple as that? Right. As long as well, they're at home? Yeah, they're at home, and they got the Steelers coming in. So that'll be interesting because the Steelers are still fighting for their lives. Um to win, like to 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 capture the division, right? There aren't they like a half game ahead of the uh, of the Ravens? The the Steelers now eight five and one, and the Ravens eight and six. So a half game ahead of the Ravens right now. So that's an interesting matchup right there. The Rams leaking oil, Mike. Yeah, what's happening there? The Rams just leaking. Oil. You know what? At their core, it's funny. At their core, and you and I, you know, you and I had discussed the Rams because of their matchup with the Broncos, and and I've done two Rams game. I I did a Rams game early in the season against Arizona, and then I called the game for Fox, the Rams, and uh, the Denver Broncos. And, you know, they were at East and West, you know, show you a lot of eye candy, a lot of window dressing, but at their core, they just want to run it down your throat. 18, 19 handoff zone blocking out of 11 personnel. They've done it better than anybody else, right? And... That's what they were. At their core, they were a smash-mouth football team. You know what's interesting? It, what, what's happened is they've had some some significant injuries. I think Cooper Cup, you can't uh, – I, I think you can't look at, uh, like, the injury to Cooper Cup and, and you don't give enough credit to how important and valuable he was, not only – moving the chains and running the dirty routes and the you know the shallow crosses and the inside kind of breaking routes and the and the tough routes where you're a little bit of a crash test dummy you're going to get hit like he he runs those routes but what he did on the backside and front side as a receiver that had to act like he was a tight end or fullback at times in the running game like he was pivotal in the running game so i think that injury has really hurt them i think the other thing that's hurt them is they lost their backup running back to Todd Gurley and that's um, Malcolm Brown. And in the games that I called, when Malcolm came in, man, he was an absolute battering ram. They lost nothing in protection in the passing game. He absolutely ran over people, and he would give um, he would give Todd Gurley that enough rest on the sideline, and they wouldn't lose any productivity. Like, he was a, a real key factor in this. And what teams have done is they've started to ignore the East-West nast, uh, the East West kind of window-dressing eye candy, the illusion of complexity, and they've just said, we're going to stack it up here. We're not going to let it run – you're not going to let it – or we're not going to let you run it down our, our throats. And I think Gurley has been a little banged up here in the last few weeks, and it's put all the pressure, you know, on Jared Goff. And, and frankly, Jared Goff just hasn't performed as well. And so then in the NFC, you're left with, okay, you're left with a Saints team that hasn't looked that great, but, okay, maybe it'll be different because they're at home. You just detailed the problems mm-hmm. with the, the Rams. The Cowboys go out and, and lay an egg, and somehow Ezekiel Elliott was able to spin a shutout loss in December as being a wake-up call. Yeah, it's a positive. Good idea. Curious, curious. Yeah. Seattle had a ton of momentum. Then they go and lose that at 3-10 at and 10. Uh, San Francisco, right? So you know who's uh, who do you point team, to? Who do you point to in the NFC? Is it Chicago? It, by, yeah, and by the way, I think the one team you know we all overlook 
I mean, they, they, they throttled the Rams, you know, defensively, they throttled the Rams. You, you look at this Chicago Bears team, Mike, and they are like they're not they're not conventional in that you know they don't have a quarterback putting up gaudy throwing statistics. Um, they just physically wear your ass out defensively. They're ridiculous, and I know we talk about Khalil Mack, but you think about you know Leonard da- or Le- what's uh what's oh god now all of a sudden I've lost his name uh Leonard on the outside and Roquan Smith and. Like the different players that they have on defense, um, um, Akeem Hicks, right, is is yep. phenomenal. I mean, he's a great, great player. Like they have got so much talent, and you know they're playing great in the secondary as well. Um, Jackson, uh, their their safety has been, I mean, just been a turnover machine, going after people, getting the ball for his football team. So they have been really, really good. Kyle, is it Kyle Fuller? On the outside has been great, um, so they have been they have been absolutely tremendous. Leonard Floyd is who I was trying to come up with. I knew it was Leonard, but you got to get a little bit of offense, especially if you talk about right. trying to travel. If you're trying to win in, in New Orleans, I if this was if this was New Orleans coming to Chicago, right? Absolutely, but you know that defense will travel. But can they yes. get enough offense? Yeah, and and that's what they always say come playoff time. You know, there's two things that travel: it's defense and it's the running game. But when you're playing in a dome, if the if the Saints have the you know the number one overall seed, it eliminates some of that. And the Saints have been you know the Saints have been really good as far as um, as far as uh, defending the run and and what they've done defensively. Um, again, you know what they did on Monday night to to Carolina defending the run and defending the Carolina Panthers. So um, probably a vastly underrated part of of you know what what they've done here down the stretch because you know Drew Brees uh, and, and rightfully so he gets the headlines. But defensively, you know you look at them the the transition they've made the first game of the season where. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick puts up 400-plus yards passing, and they lose uh, a game. They lose a game at home, right? They were, were, weren't – yeah, Tampa was on the road. It was the last time Tampa won a road game was in New Orleans opening weekend and, you know, and, and, and what they've been able to do. But this defense is, I think, is, is fairly underrated. You know, it just dawned on me. What's that? What you and the Steelers have in common. What's that? That tie that you make fun of is the only thing that is your saving grace right now. Think about it. Mm-hmm. The only thing that has the Steelers in first place is that tie. And the only thing that has you ahead of me in our moneymaker picks is one measly tie. Right. So I think you owe the tie an apology. You think I owe the tie an yeah. apology? Yeah. Because if not for the tie, you... And the Pittsburgh Steelers would be in a potential world of hurt right now. Um, I'm not going to apologize to the tie, Mike. Come on now. I play to win. I'm a winner. Yeah, well, when it's all said and done, it might be the tie that is theirs and your salvation. Uh, it's called winning, and that's what I do, Mike. I win. <laughs> all I do is win, 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 no matter what. I, uh, I will take this moment to let everybody know that at our radio station, mm-hmm. 
our uh, radio station does a fan football pick them throughout the course of the, right. of the season. Every week, all of the hosts at our station pick NFL games, and uh, you finished last this past week. So oh. you did you did not win, and as a result, you will be shamed on air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, can I tell the, the real story? I get an emergency text from producer DeHuff. Change your pick quick. Change your pick. You can't do your Monday night game. You got to switch to Carolina, but I don't want to switch to Carolina. No, you got to change it quick because otherwise you'll lose for sure. So, you know, I'm on the taxiway. I'm supposed to turn off my phone. I changed the pick quickly to save the day. And apparently you and uh, conspired against me and uh, I lost and you ended up winning. That's a lie. Duff, you want to you want to correct? That's, that's every, not a lie. You want to let everybody know what's going on here? That's You're, all I know. You, that's oh that's what I know happened. If you would have kept your picks at uh, for the Saints, you would have lost no matter what. No, even if they had won. If my, if if Mike would have changed his pick to Carolina <laughs> right. and I kept my pick the si- Saints, right. would I have won? Oh, you're a foxhole guy. You would have Boy, won. You are oh, a oh, Mike, oh, Mike would have lost. Oh, oh, conspiracy. This is a team game. This is a team, you, Mark. You, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a team as long as I lose, right? No, by us it's both. It's like crossing your fingers <laughs> no. and go, we're this tight, and, no. but I'm the thumb no. over here. No, if we stay with the no. Saints, we both lose. If we, switch, if we both switch to Carolina and Carolina wins, then... We both avoid losing. It was the team thing. It was the foxhole. But I'm learning a lot about you in the foxhole. I am. Um, Your idea of the foxhole is, ooh, look at that grenade. Let's stuff it down Evans' pants. Yeah. I uh, would like to say that I think you're both dicks. <laughs> For everybody involved in the Stinking Truth podcast, I am Mark Schlereth, along with Mike Evans and Scott DeHuff. We thank you so much. Thanks to our presenting sponsor, Accor. And uh, you guys, I don't like either of you. Good night, everybody. <laughs>